0: Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. This episode is brought to you by AFCO. Family owned and operated, AFCO Fishing Apparel and Tackle are designed to handle the harshest elements and help you weather any day on the water. From cold tournament mornings to the humid summers in Florida, our products are built to handle the extreme. We are proud to hear customer stories about the 20-plus-year life cycle of the AFCO products. Visit AFCO.com. That's A-F-T-C-O.com for On the Water Performance gear and also brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. Since 1989, Southeastern Pond Management has been a leader in pond and lake management services. If you own a pond or a lake anywhere in the Southeast, Southeastern Pond Management can evaluate the health of your pond and then work with you individually to put together the right plan to get what you want out of your body of water. Through electrofishing, liming, fertilizing, and weed control, Southeastern Pond Management is the one-stop shop to help you produce more health trophy fish than ever before and if you're interested in building a new pond or lake give these guys a call to help evaluate your land and design the best possible body of water for you if you're anywhere in the southeast schedule an obligation-free consulting with one of their biologists by calling 1-888-830-POND or check them out on sepond.com what's up guys and welcome to the alabama freshwater fishing report i'm your host brian sand hope you guys are having a great week one thing for sure it is summertime in alabama it has gotten hot out there guys and uh hey if you're going fishing right now you better carry an umbrella or at least some good suntan oil or a big hat or something man it's uh it's pretty brutal but Hey, that's that's what we do, man. It's Alabama this time of year, and and uh, we go fishing. And the fish, the fish don't mind; they still bite. And uh, I've been getting some great feedback from people around the state this week that have just, uh, man, they are killing the bass right now. Fish have moved out to the ledges, and um, man, it's 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 obviously a good time because people are catching not just a lot of fish, but some big bass. So excited about the show this week and got some great stuff to talk about. And man, especially with our first guest, Brandon Lester, winning the elite tournament up in uh, Pickwick, what, week before last? And uh, welcome to the show, Brandon. We're looking forward to it, brother.
1: Yes, sir. Glad to be back, man. It's uh, been an awesome couple of weeks and uh, certainly been busy, but it's, it's a good kind of busy. That's for sure.
0: Absolutely, man. It's the right kind of busy. Well, hey, man. I mean, look. I think you talked to us the week before the tournament, right? So we may be that we may be the good luck charm on this deal. You may this may have to be before every tournament type deal.
1: Hey, that'll be fine with me, man. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That'll be fine with me. Yeah, we we did, and we talked about a lot of the things. Exactly the way the tournament played out, man. I mean, gosh, it was it was an awesome week, and it. It went by quick, but uh, it was a lot of fun, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, and so that's what I was so excited to talk about this week. You know, we we kind of going into the tournament, I mean, it's a lake you obviously know very well. And, um, you know, kind of had a game plan going in there. And that's what I was excited to see is, did you have to, did you stay on that game plan? And, and you know, or did you have to kind of venture out a little bit and do some things different?
1: You know, at the beginning of practice, we kind of we kind of talked about before I ever even started practicing a couple of weeks prior that I, I pretty much knew that the tournament was going to be won on the, the ledges. You know, and when we say ledge fishing, for people that don't know, we're just talking about fishing out off the bank. Could be five feet of water, could be 25 feet of water. Uh, there's a, a wide array there. Well, when practice started, the first couple of days, I looked at a lot of that more traditional, like 14 to 22 foot ledges and i had found in the first two days of practice we get three days of practice for the elite series first two days of practice i had probably found 15 schools of fish or so but all of them were on pretty obvious stuff and i didn't feel like i was going to have any to myself so the third day i started looking a little bit shallower and and i got real lucky and fortunate and found a, a little spot that was a lot shallower than a lot of guys were looking and i think that's the reason why I had it all to myself, and it, and it held up for four days. And I didn't catch all my fish there, but it certainly got me off to a good start every day, and it was a very important part of me winning the tournament.
0: Yeah, and I think that would be, you know, when you're fishing the Elite Series like you are, I mean, you're fishing with the best anglers in the in, in the world. And, you know, people that are on top of their game, and everybody probably goes into Pickwick knowing, hey, we, we're going to be ledge fishing. Uh, or, or a good percentage probably have that attitude, in it. and it and it seemed like that that was that's the trick is to find that spot and find that school of bass that somehow other people miss. And so, when you're pre-fishing and you're you know when you're looking, okay, I got you know I'm looking for this school that maybe I will say a secret school or a less known pressured area. How do you go about that process? What do you are, what do you why look in the areas you're looking
1: yeah so the way i kind of thought about it in my mind on day three i thought well i'm the probably my best chance of finding something off the beaten path is to either look shallower or deeper than most guys are looking because the truth of the matter is especially on pickwick lake most of those real good traditional ledge holes top out in 14 to 20, 22 feet of water, somewhere right in there. And those fish are a lot easier to grab because you can roll right over the top of them, see them on your down scan. They're just, they're a lot easier to find. Those side, the, the shallower schools kind of have to find them on side scan. And even on side scan in that shallower water, you're not going to pick them up every single time. I mean, you, you can pick them off, but it takes some screen time and knowing what to look for. So number one, either look shallower, or you could look deeper. Maybe start looking out there in that 28, 30 feet. I mean, sometimes there's schools of bass that'll get that deep on 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 our lakes around here. And also, you know, mapping is so good these days. But sometimes you can just get on those those areas that really don't have any contour to them at all, and just graph and graph. And every once in a while, not very often, but I I have found a few places al- along the Tennessee river out at Chickamauga comes to mind. I've got a couple of places that are kind of on the backside of the river channel. There's no contours there that stick out on the map or anything, but for whatever reason, there's a small school of fish that sit on them, you know? So you're just looking for that. Not so obvious stuff on the map.
0: And, and you just rely on, and I mean, you, you're obviously using your, you know, what you're using, your ele- electronics and, and, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you're fishing fishing with that and looking for those schools, and that's so important. I mean, I don't know how you can compete in today's. I don't, you probably can't compete without them, huh?
1: No, I mean, unless your name is John Cox. No, All right. <laughs> and John, John's a good friend of mine. I actually stayed with him. We stayed in the same house the, the week we were at Pickwick, and so nine out of ten guys. We're ledge fishing on Pickwick and John runs to Bay Springs, which is unheard of this time of the year and makes a dang top 10. I think he finished fifth or sixth or seventh or whatever, but he made a top 10 strictly fishing shallow all week. Uh, He makes it work and my hat's off to him for making it work. But I mean, dude, I mean, you fish the Tennessee river, you know, when, when you're on the Tennessee river in June, first thing we think about, you better be out somewhere.
0: Right. When I saw yeah. when I when I was watching the when I was watching it on TV and I saw you know John fishing up shallow I was like I bet you there ain't many people doing that besides him no but he no. makes it work
1: and I, and I think I think that's how he makes it work because he doesn't have to split those fish up with anybody you know whatever he finds he's probably gonna have it to himself
0: that's right well let's talk about the event and and you know day one I mean. You know, it looks like you were catching, you know, your your limit pretty early, and then being able to call from there. From what I from what I saw, but kind of, you know, let's let's walk through day one and kind of where you were at the end of the day and things like that.
1: Yeah. So day one, I had I had found that little sneaky spot the third day of practice, and I told myself I was going to try my best to start there. I was boat number eighty, so I had a late boat draw. So, you know, I'm running down the river that morning. I'm kind of taking note of what holes that I had found that already had boats on them and stuff. Lo and behold, I get to my, my little sneaky spot. Nobody's there. I mean, there's not even a boat inside. So I roll up there and I get lined up on it. I can see them sitting up there on my Lorance active target. I start catching them on a big square bill, a big striking 4.0, and probably catch catch my limit in the first 15 minutes of fishing. No. Um, nice and yeah and then i mean it was just it was crazy how many of them were there and i and you could tell that first morning that i was the first guy that had fished for them fish in a while because they were they were pretty dumb i mean it was an ever cast deal well then they they kind of slowed down on the crankbait after i caught eight or ten of them so i picked up a, a half ounce football jig i fired it in there the first cast i caught about a three and a half pounder i cold real quick stood back up. I told my marshal, I said, once we get over 20, I'm all, I'm going to get out of here. I stood back up. I fired back in there. I called a 6-9 on the football jig. I called real quick. I knew that put me over 20, so I left immediately. By 8-15, now, mind you, we started taking off at 7 from the other end, the complete other end. I was running all the way above the Natchez Trace Bridge, so about a 30-minute run. And by 8-15, I'm leaving the spot. You're done with your spot. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I was done. It it was pretty phenomenal, man. It was it was absolutely awesome. And I was faced with a decision at that time. You know, I was like, well, do I sit here and guard the spot and let everybody see me sitting here, or while there's mm-hmm. no boats around, do I get the heck out of here? And I and just leave I it a know, secret, my gut, right? My gut told me just get out of here, and you know, and and don't let anybody see you here. I felt like it was such a good place that if anybody else would have found it, they would have started there. And thankfully, my gut was right. And, you know, getting off to that quick start every morning, it got, that spot got tougher as the week went on. But getting off to that quick start every morning definitely set the tone for each day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and man, it would be, you know, and, and kudos for you for being able to have the, it's probably not easy to drive off of that spot for two reasons one is can i catch another six pounder and for two is to protect it just sit there all freaking day and then do the same thing the next day but uh so it had to be uh had to be a pretty scary decision and hard decision to pick to pick that trolling motor up and crank the big engine and get out of
1: there it was i had thought about it for a minute and i was like I just can't sit here all day. You know, I, I had so much other stuff in my mind that I wanted to go look at. And, right. you know, it it was all a part of the game plan going forward because it's not a one-day tournament. It's a four-day. Now, if it would have been a one-day tournament, I honestly think that first day I probably could have caught a bigger bag than was ever weighed in in the tournament. I think I could have caught a, probably a mid-20s pound bag. But it, I knew it was a four-day event. I don't want to sit there and catch a bunch of three-pounders that might help me down the road. You
0: know. That's right, that's right. Yeah, a hey, smart decision. So at the end of day one, I mean, you're you're leading at the end of day one, right?
1: No, I was in uh, I was in fifth after day oh, fifth, one. Okay. I had twenty one six. Yeah, I had twenty one six. But I had told my marshal that first day. I said, man, if I if I get over twenty, I'll be where I need to be. My goal every day. I told myself my goal every day is to catch twenty pounds, and I did that or better every day. I was the only guy to do that or better every day. And, and that's a good bag on pickwick right now. You know, it, it's not like it was five years ago where you're seeing 28 pound bags. It's still a, it's still a phenomenal fishery. I don't want to take anything away sure. from it. It's still shocking my fish, but it's just getting more pressure these days. That's all there is to it.
0: That's all there is to it. That's right. Well, yeah. so, all right, yeah. you finish your, you finished day, day one, fifth place. Obviously the next day you're going to go back and, and try to mimic the same thing, right?
1: Yeah, so I get back there on day two, back to the little spot, uh, get up there to it. I see them sitting up there. I fire fire the big square bill up there. The first one I catch is a five-pounder. Um, <laughs> so I was like, dang, this this is starting out good, you know. And then I catch another keeper on the, the big square bill. And I could tell they just, it was like they got off of it. They would just bump it. They wouldn't eat it. I could just tell their activity level wasn't wasn't what it was on day one. So I fired the jig in there, caught a couple of keepers on the jig, and they that kind of, they kind of got funny on the jig too. So then I threw a little finesse presentation. We talked a little bit about that last time on the podcast, you know, finessing these fish. And so I threw a little Nico rigged worm in there, and when I did that, man, it was like they had never seen it before. I, I just I lit them up again, and when I got past when I got past twenty pounds again on day two, I was like, you know what? We're gonna get out of here again and and hope and pray that nobody nobody figures me out,
0: yeah, no doubt man so by you're you're out of there again by what eight thirty
1: probably nine o'clock. It took me a little bit longer on that second day, and too, another reason I stayed there longer on the second day was because I was still trying to learn the spot, you know up until up until that point, I had not spent a total of probably forty five minutes on the spot, so I was still learning. What the bait was doing exactly what was going on and and just trying to dial it in more and more you know and i would have a little flurry every morning when i got there I, I would have a little flurry for 30 45 minutes and then once you caught a few of them it was such a shallow spot that once once you caught a few it would kind of bust them up and they would scatter and they as as they scattered they would get harder to catch
0: yeah so i know we talked about it a few weeks ago but the the nico rig that you're using how do, you, how do you set that up?
1: Yeah, so basically I was taking a, a Berkeley Max Scent Magnum Hit Worm color is called Plum Apple. Everybody knows anything like plum, red bug, any of that on the Tennessee River this time is a great, of year is a great color. So I took that worm. I was taking a 1-8 ounce Mustad tungsten nail weight and sticking it in the head of that worm. And then I just take a size 2 Mustad Wacky Nico hook and I just hook that worm basically right in the middle of the worm. And what that does as opposed to like a shaky head, when you pull that worm from the center, it's the same as a wacky rig. It, it, uh, it gives that worm a real, a real natural looking action, kind of a pulsing type action. And it just, it looks a lot more natural than say a shaky head or something like that. Um, now if I, if I would have been around heavy cover, I would have had to throw a shaky head because you need it to be weedless. But that Nico, it's got an exposed hook, and that little spot I was fishing was completely clean. It was just hard bottom and shell, so there was nothing for me to get hung on.
0: Can you identify the shell on your electronics, or how do you know it's a hard shell bottom?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to be honest. There's a lot of guys that will tell you, hey, I can see a shell bed. I, I can pick out a shell bed. I can tell you where shell beds probably are. And I can certainly tell you where it goes from soft bottom to hard bottom, most definitely. But I can't just say, hey, that's where the shell starts and that's where the shell ends. You, you know what I mean? Does that right. make sense? Yeah. You, you can definitely see where it goes from soft to hard. and you know. But to be able to say, hey, that right there is a shell bed, to me, no, you, you probably, I'm, I'm going to have to throw something in there. And feel it before I know for a fact that it's a shell bed.
0: That is shell bed, yeah. And I mean, and when so when you're looking at, at at ledges and pre-fishing and and stuff, I mean, there it makes a it makes a difference to have to find that hard bottom versus that soft bottom, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I would say ninety five percent of the time on the Tennessee River, those schools set up on high, hard bottom areas bass in general, just like hard bottom, whether it's summertime, wintertime, whatever. I, I don't I don't catch them off just old mucky mud very often at all. I can think of one place in my experience on the Tennessee River, and I know there's guys that's done it for longer than me, but I can think of one place off the top of my head on the Tennessee River that a school sets up on a soft bottom, and that's only because there is a spring there. There's a spring hole surrounded by Soft mud, and they're just relating to that spring hole. That cool
0: water coming up out of the spring. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Do
0: you think the current is the reason? I mean, if you think about the current, if it's a higher current area coming over a ledge, I mean, the soft bottom is because of a sediment a lot of times, right? And, and, and there's right. maybe, yeah. so maybe the, the current. Coming over the ledge is, is what makes it a hard bottom. And then if there's not a lot of current in the area, it could be softer, I guess. I don't know. Just thinking out loud.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely on point with that. Yes, for sure. Current over time is what creates. I mean, honestly, going back however long the Tennessee River has been there or any other river, what's beneath that water is because of the current flow for the last thousands of years. That current washing over a place is what creates those hard bottom areas yeah and
0: that's what the the and and the bass like to set up on the current and so it all kind of Correct. works hand right. in hand right
1: it does yeah
0: uh, all right so in the day two where are you
1: sitting in the day two i took the lead uh i had another 20 pounds and change took the lead on day two and pretty much told myself you know i, I felt like if i could pitch 20 again the next two days that That would be enough to seal the deal i really felt like in my heart that 82 pounds or so was what it was going to take to win that tournament so you know day three i go out i go get back to my little juicy spot i get there that i can tell they're kind of funny again i think i caught one keeper on the 4.0 maybe i went to the worm the nico rig worm pretty quick the second bite i get is a 613 on that nico rig worm so once again, just set the tone for the day, man. You know, you've you thought about it all night, you get there, you catch at six thirteen, you're like, all right, all I need some solid ones and and we'll be good to go. So the third day I probably left there that I probably left that little spot after forty five minutes or so, and I'm gonna say I had probably seventeen pounds or so didn't didn't have a a giant bag, but had a, a dang good start. And later in the afternoon on the third day, Like I said, every day, you know, getting off to that good start, it freed me up and it let me go look around for a couple of hours because some of those schools were getting busted up and they were moving around a little bit. So I idled over a place about one o'clock on day three, and it was a deeper spot where I had caught them a couple of years prior. And I idled over it one time in practice, and I saw one little school sitting there. I idled at the first two days of the event and didn't see anything at all. I idled over it on day three, and I saw a few sitting there. And I was able to make a couple of really good calls. I, I called about a three and three quarter and a four pounder uh, at about 115 on day three to get me back up to another 21 six.
0: Nice. Um,
1: on day three. So I had about a three, almost a three and a half pound lead going into day number four
0: man when you're going in a day four the night before you're trying to sleep you know you're you know you're in the lead you think it's more stressful to go into that final day
1: in the lead
0: or is it more stressful to to be a couple pounds out of the lead
1: uh, it, it definitely does put some stress on you because you know you everybody in the bass fishing world is going to be watching bassmaster live and and you you want to do it not so much for you but you want to do it for your family and for your sponsors and. Man, just the, the competitive spirit in all of us, you know. We we just want to win, right? Um, so, I mean, I wasn't really nervous about it. I was just anxious and ready to go. You know, that was the biggest thing.
0: Yeah, just ready, just ready to to get in the boat and and get started uh, for the yeah. day. Now, unfortunately, and, and you know, you you don't live too far from there. So, was your family able to come in for the final day?
1: Yes, yeah. I had family friends. I had. Uh, probably 30, 35 people out there in the crowd that got to watch it all go down. So that was was really cool. That's awesome. That was probably one of the coolest parts of the whole deal, man. It really was.
0: Yeah, because you guys, you know, you fish all over the country, and, and you you know, you've had some great wins, and a lot of times you're so far away that everybody that, you know, all your close – people and family might not be able to get there. So to be able to do this in your backyard and is a, that's gotta be pretty special.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely was special, man. It was a, a day I'll never forget for sure. I mean, I, as I said on stage is nine years in the making. I, I, this is my ninth year on the elite series and the first elite series victory that I have gotten. I've come close many times, you know, and it it, it ain't easy, man. It ain't easy. I mean, everybody thinks, golly but hey, you'd be surprised at the list of guys that have had phenomenal careers that just never have sealed the deal it's it's hard to do man so I it's hard Feel very yeah it, it's very hard but we finally got us one man it felt good i'm gonna tell you man there
0: ain't no doubt about it i know it felt good man well, we, well i was sure rooting for you well last day final day you i mean You start back in your spot again, I'm sure, Yeah, and uh, you go back to it. We saw that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I started back there, and gosh, I I couldn't have asked for a better start. I I got back, and every day, you know, I was nervous. I was like, gosh, is it going to last one more day? Is it going to last one more day? Because I don't know if, you know, by the the third morning, I had several spectators. I mean, there were several guys wanting to know where this spot was, and rightfully so. I don't blame them you know, and and as far as I know, as soon as I leave, they could have been burning that place to the ground all night long. I didn't know, you know, but I got there on the fourth morning and, and caught a couple pretty quick. My second bite was like a four and a half, five pounder. So I think we took off at seven again on that, on day four. And I looked at my my clock on my Lorenz unit at 7:51, 51 I already had about 17 pounds in the box.
0: Oh my goodness. And I
1: just, man, I, I just stood up and I just breathed a sigh of relief, you know? And I was like, I, looking back, I didn't know this at the time, but I had the tournament won by then, you know, but in my mind, I had already told myself another 20 pounds. That's the goal. You know, we're not going to let off the throttle. I didn't just want to win. I wanted, to, I wanted to slam the door on it, you know? So, and it, honestly i had one of the best days of fishing uh, that i've ever had in my career about one o'clock i pulled back up on that place again where i had caught made the two coals the day before and i fired a three-quarter ounce scrounger head out there with a, a five-inch castaic jerky jay just a, a tennessee river ledge fishing staple I hadn't caught any on that all week but i saw a big gizzard shed come up skipping across the water so i threw it out there and i caught a six pounder yeah. uh and that put me. That put me up over 20. And then on the way in, I was basically just killing time, getting back close to the ramp. And I pulled up to a school that had had boats all over it all week long. And I made another call. I caught a four-pounder, and the one I called was like three and three-quarter. And I was like, <laughs> that's it. I mean, I, I see 30 minutes left. I had like thirty minutes left on the clock. I said, "You know what? I'll take my chances. I'm going back to the ramp." It's been a heck of a day.
0: <laughs> that is an incredible day. So, what was yeah. your total weight the last day?
1: Twenty two fourteen, and that was that was the biggest bag of the tournament. Golly! So,
0: how, what was total weight for the tournament?
1: I think it was eighty six pounds and an ounce. I won by just over five pounds. I think second place was eighty one something.
0: Man, that is that's what I call slamming the door on them right there. that's a
1: big that's a big difference yeah it was just a phenomenal week man just meant to be that's awesome
0: one of the questions i had and you know so that spot that you found that was so awesome for you i mean is is that a spot that you had fished in past years or is it a spot that you find, that you just found? And I think about me fishing, and, and so many of us do this. We talked about it with one of our college guys a few weeks ago, one of our Auburn guys, Tucker Smith, is that, you know, when you're fishing your home lake, you've got these same spots in your mind that you've caught fish years and year after year after year. And, and a lot of times on your home lake, it's easy to just go, well, I know these spots, and I'm going to go look and see if there's fish there. But you see people from out of town that that have never fished there come in and sometimes win the tournament over guys that. How hard is it not to just rely on your old places and to go look for these new spots in a in a in a familiar lake?
1: Yeah, that's definitely a a easy trap to fall into, man. We've all been there. And honestly, if, if I could give a piece of advice on that, I heard somebody say one time, I can't remember where I read it, but I heard this early on in my career. It said, if you fish a lot of the same bodies of water over and over again, it's okay to go back to the same old places, you know, but every time you go to the lake, just playing around, always make it a point to fish at least one place that you've never made a cast before. If you do that every single time you go to the lake. And I started doing that early on in my career, you know, fishing here around the house, Tim's Ford, places like that. And a lot of times you won't find nothing, but you'd be surprised how many times you'll pull up on a bank that you've never fished before and you'll find a a new little honey hole, you know? So just keep that in mind because that is an easy trap to fall into, you know, to answer your question, as far as how I found that place, I had never fished there before. I knew traditionally that was a good area on Pickwick. Uh, that, that area up that way has a lot of good shallower bars and, and a lot flatter stuff. It's got several little shallow humps and ditches and, and things like that up there around Cogar Island. So I was just, you know, kind of up that way looking around for, for some of that stuff and just kind of got lucky and found one of those little uh, needle in a haystack places.
0: Hey, well. It ain't all luck, brother. You knew what you was looking for, and you had a purpose (laughs) for looking there. So I know better than that. It ain't all luck. It's some, uh, (laughs) maybe a little bit of luck, maybe some divine intervention from the good Lord, but it was a lot of knowledge that you gained over the years, too. That's a big part of
1: it. Yeah absolutely
0: well man i am i am tickled to death for you and uh for you and your family and uh man i appreciate you giving us some time on the show today for sure
1: yeah absolutely always glad to hop on here and man like you were saying at the at the beginning of the show get out there and and do some fishing man i know it's hot but it's a good time to be on the tennessee river i've been seeing some pictures from gunnersville and i know pickwick's pretty good so if you can stand it get out there and catch a few.
0: Hey, I was going to ask you. I've been seeing a lot and hearing on our podcast, and and seeing a lot on uh, looking at different social media from different people. This feather jig, just a white feather jig, like a three, you know, three eighths ounce, uh, mm-hmm. that people yep. are fishing these ledges with and doing really well. Is that something you fish? Yeah. I mean, I'm hearing a lot about it right now, and seeing a lot of people fishing with it right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I did not weigh in any fish in this event on it but i do throw it and actually i I caught a couple of big fish in practice on it at pickwick it's basically it's real subtle it's it's, a the hair jig and and basically the one that kind of brought that to fruition was kevin van dam back in the day he started throwing one of those you know the original one was from what i understand it was actually tied by a guy that was a preacher and they called it the preacher jig and all the rest of them are kind of spin-offs from that but it's just a real subtle presentation, looks like a big gizzard shad, which is what those fish out there on those ledges feed on, um, and I've I've seen ones anywhere from three-eighths of an ounce up, all the way up to three-quarter or one-ounce, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a really good bait, and like I said, it's real subtle, doesn't have a whole lot of action to it, it's quiet, but a lot of times if, if those fish are kind of in a funky mood, it'll it'll get them to bite.
0: Yeah, I just thought I'd ask you why I had you on here about it, and see what you're Yes, your experience was with it because I'd been seeing it a lot anyway. man, we appreciate it and uh, thank you so much again for joining us and congratulations again and where y'all at next?
1: so awesome, man I've got about a month here at home. i'm I'll probably do some fishing here around the house and then we're gonna head up north for our kind of northern swing of the year. Uh, we go to the Saint Lawrence River next, so I'm looking forward to getting up there and catching some big smallmouth.
0: Hey, man, we'll we'll get after it. Good luck to you and and uh, man, finish the year strong, brother. I mean, where are you in the in the, in the Angler of the Year race?
1: Well, this moves me up to fourth in Angler of the Year. Uh, Brandon Pollnick's leading, and John Cox is in second, and both of them were in the top ten. So even though I won a couple weeks ago, I didn't gain a lot of ground, but it's still possible. You know, we could still pull out angler of the year. Not, not probable. One of those guys, or both of them, would have to stumble. But uh, and Polnick's got a pretty big lead. But just want to finish as strong as I possibly can. You know, it's it's been a great great season, and just want to keep keep on keeping on. You do it,
0: man. Keep doing it. All right, Brandon, we appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot, and keep rolling, and man. I look forward to having you back on here again before too long.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you, guys, for having me. Talk to uh, you soon. All right, buddy. Take care.
0: All right, guys, let's take a few moments and hear from some of this week's sponsors. L&M Marine has something for everyone, from small hunting boats, pontoon boats, to bigger bay boats, offshore boats, and hybrids. L&M Marine LLC prides itself on its customer service and knows how important it is to be taken care of and to have someone you can trust. They are locally owned and regularly support the community. L&M Marine provides superior customer service and has an entire team that consists of professional sales members, financial experts, service technicians, and a knowledgeable parts and accessory staff to support you. Go visit their friendly, reliable, and experienced staff, now locally owned six miles north of I-10 on 34600 Highway 59 in Stapleton, Alabama, or call 251-937-1380. And brought to you by Photonis Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles built around the Photonis 16mm filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and our hybrid filmless 18mm image intensifier tubes. These ultra light, ultra compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16 millimeter monocular, the PD Pro B 16 millimeter binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Photonist Defense, masters of darkness. And brought to you by United Bank. United Bank knows what an important role agriculture plays in our local economy. At United Bank, they are here to support local farmers with financial products and services designed specifically for agribusiness, including real loans for farmland, equipment loans, working line of credit, and more. Truth is, they deeply value the contribution agriculture plays to our community, and they help our local farmers build successful businesses. They want to see you succeed. Learn more at unitedbank.com or stop by any United Bank branch. United Bank, all loans subject to credit approval, equal housing opportunity lender, member FDIC. All right, welcome back to the show, guys. Hey, what a great first segment. I really appreciate Brandon Lester. I mean, man, when you win one of those tournaments, your, your phone's ringing off the hook uh, with, with other calls and and sponsors and, and for him to take the time to join the Alabama freshwater fishing report means a lot. So congrats again to Brandon for his win and uh, greatly appreciate him being part of this show. And Hey, we are excited about this next segment. You know, so many times I have callers and, and people that email into the show, uh, reach out to us on social media. And one thing they want to know is, you know, there's so many different bass boats out there, uh, so much different equipment out there you know how do you know what to select how do you go, how, what's the process in selecting to get the bat, best bass boat for for you and so we thought that would be a great segment and we're bringing in a guy who knows all there is to know about that dano from bucks island marine what's going on dano hey man how are you man I'm good buddy appreciate you joining us today
2: no not a problem not a problem at all anything i can do to
0: help Awesome, man. Well, I think, you know, as we talked about in the, in the introduction there, you know, we constantly have people reaching out to us about selecting a bass boat, you know, first of all, you know, kind of tell us, you know, I think a lot of our listeners are, are obviously familiar with Bucks Island, but you know, for somebody that might not be, you know, kind of tell us where you're located and, and, uh, what you, what you do. And, and then we'll talk about bass boats.
2: Well, Bucks Island is a 70-plus-year-old business that was started by Buck Lumpkin in uh, Atala, Alabama. Uh, His son, Tony Lumpkin, who is our patriarch, and his wife, Mary, and their daughters, Angela and Katie, and then uh, Angela's husband, Israel, are uh, the ownership group. Uh, They also manage the day-to-day of the business. There's 30-some-odd employees in the business. Uh, It's in Southside, Alabama. Uh, You get off you're going highway 59 towards Chattanooga. You get off at highway 77 and you head south, cross the, you know, the bridge over Neely Henry there and Southside, go between Rainbow City and, and Southside, and then probably go about another five miles or so. And on the right hand side, you'll see Bucks Island, 50-some odd thousand square foot building, uh, showroom, dozen service bays, parts, tackle store, doing the best we can to keep boats in stock uh in this you know kind of trying time that we have mary and 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 katie and and the team really work hard to pull that stuff together and get as many boats in as we can crest pontoons bentley pontoons we're a g3 dealer and then our bass boat lines uh avid we have avid aluminum boats as well which they have bass boats and center consoles uh and then but our you know glass bass boat lines we are one of the top skater dealers in the country we are falcon Bass Boats' number one dealer in the country, and uh, we're a climbing Bass Cat dealer, probably do 15, 18 boats a year, only limited by how many we've been able to get in all three brands uh, right now, and that's just the way the situation is in in the country with supply chain right now, but basically, Katie is our... Lead salesperson Patrick and Melissa, and they're taking pre orders on 2023 boats now at this point.
0: Man, um, it's really cool. I mean, it sounds, you know, it's, it's definitely a family owned business, and uh, they have built something mighty big and mighty awesome there. Uh, truly a one stop shop for bait, tackle, boat service, whatever you might need. And uh, so it's an awesome place uh, awesome that is family owned. Now, Dano, how did, what, what is your role there? I, I know that you got a California phone number here. So, uh, I mean, how'd you get, how'd you get to Alabama from California? Well, God told my
2: family to find a Christian school in Alabama. I told my wife in church one day, find a Christian school in Alabama and move there. Uh, we got three daughters. And so in 2014, July, I want to say July 26th of 2014, we loaded up, uh, U haul, U haul trailer, my truck, boat behind it, my wife's van with my mother-in-law driving it, the kids, two dogs and a rabbit, and we drove the 26, 2700 miles from Loomis, California to uh, Rainbow City. I uh, Didn't have a house to go to. Uh, I met Tony and Mary when uh, I reached out to some friends of ours that said, "Do you guys know anybody that rents housing that ha- that has rental properties here in this area?" and they told me, go see the guys at Bucks Island. They may know somebody. Uh, to give you the kind of people that Tony and Mary are, they um, they took a house off the market to rent it to us. And so they became instant family to us. And uh, I told them anytime they wanted help in the fishing community, which is what I do. My wife and I own advancedangler.com, which is a fishing how-to website. And we do media tracking and market consulting for professional anglers. And so I've spent the last 27 years of my life making all or part of my living in the bass fishing industry. And uh, I had told them if they wanted to do anything, any projects, any whatever, just let me know. I'm, I'm happy to help. You guys have been a big help to us. And they just developed as a friendship for a good three and a half, four years. And in 2018, they asked me to get involved and to help reach the fishing community on a more comprehensive level, they, they've always done a great job. They've always been a great Skeeter dealer, Mercury, Yamaha, all those things. Great service, all that stuff. But fishing requires, a, especially in bass fishing, it requires a little different touch. Um, anglers, there's a lot of different options out there, and when you're a tournament fisherman, you wanna you wanna be catered to a little bit. You know, you're spending an awful lot of money, even on a local level, to go compete. And you, you need someone that understands that. So the, the Lumpkins and, and the, the Brits, the family, they completely invested into stuff. We worked on programs together, did an outreach, started a you know fishing team, put the tackle store in, which I was part of building and uh, and stocking. So I've been there since uh, November of 2018 as a part-time uh, fishing. Industry marketing consultant kind of a deal, which basically I'm marketing is what I am. Um, I'm there two days a week when I'm not traveling or more sometimes when I can. Uh, But I work with them or do the fishing reports that we do there for social media. Uh, We do some Bucks Island Live stuff. I do some loft. Videos help with the buying of the tackle store a little bit, and I will sell a boat here or there when I'm not trampling on one of the other salespeople that that's their whole living. And uh, I just try to help them keep up with what's new in the industry, develop relationships that can bring people in, that can help promote the the company and the and the family and uh, the Bucks Island brand. And I will say this: it's not easy to add to what they've built there. They are they are a very well run caring family. So them being willing to invest into the community. I mean, we've actually put a service trailer together that goes to events throughout our region and is just there as you guys spent, you know, $200 on entry fees and all this time practicing. And something happens, unfortunately, on the morning of a tournament, we'll have texts at some of these tournaments especially you know groups that we sponsor and partner with we just try to invest and and for being a tremendous dealership that they were you wouldn't think that you could add to it but the group of us have come together and and really reached out to the fishing community and it's it's made a big impact in the dealership as far as just how many people come and see us now dude
0: what um, a phenomenal story and and journey i mean we could do a whole podcast just on that they know that's I saw a remarkable series of events. And I mean, I know God, I know Alabama is God's country, right? But if you're in California, you really got to be listening to hear Alabama (laughs) from that because that's a long ways, but man, so glad that, that you made the, uh, made the trip and over and, and, and listen to, to what you were being led to do. And it sounds like it has just absolutely been a God thing and a blessing. Well, the partnership and the friendship, and it's funny.
2: Mary, Mary's even said at times is that we have a, a God relationship. You know the way that <laughs> they, they tell me a funny story about when they were sitting there the night deciding do they take the house off the market to rent it to us. And they're the kind of people that I think they—they considered it. You know they were considering it anyway. They just—they're—they're they're loving people. But they looked at each other and said, "Do you want to be the one to tell God no?" So, right? <laughs> so <laughs> and it's a it, you know it's it's a little fun joking thing we have uh, amongst us we do have a god connection there uh between us uh they are wonderful people talented people experienced people i'm grateful to be a part of it i am uh, blessed to be a small part of what bucks island is and happy to be able to talk about it any chance i get because it is a historical tremendous business in this community and i'm grateful to be a part of it
0: yeah man that's that's awesome and, and you know anytime we as listeners and and you know i'm a listener when i'm hosting this thing too right because i'm listening to your story but when we hear that about a group or a business or or something i mean it just It sure makes it easy to do business there. And when you know the kind of people you're dealing with, so man, I I love hearing it. And uh, it sounds like it, it was a meant to be situation for all you guys. And so con- congratulations on the growth that you've been able to help them achieve and that they've been able to achieve, not just on their own, but with you as well. And, and I know you guys are just going to continue going in the, in the right direction. And uh, hey, man, I mean, Bucks Island has been around a long time and is here to stay and just continuing to grow. So you know, like we kind of set up the segment, you know, we want to, you've got some great lines of bass boats and pontoons and center consoles as well, but for this podcast, you know, we want to concentrate on bass boats right now on fishing boats and, and kind of talk about the different process of selecting. And I know this is a very broad and, may, and maybe a tough question to, to identify you know, um, or how to make the decision on the right bass boat, because you've got, you know, people that get to go once a month, once a week, you got people that do it for, you know, fish in tournaments every weekend. And then you've got some pro- professional guys that do it for a living. And so there's a broad range of customers, which thankfully there's a broad range of boats, right?
2: Yes, absolutely. There is. And what I'll try to do in this segment, obviously we're going to speak to the brands that we carry uh, the brands that we believe in, which is why we carry them uh, we're users of the product, but each one has its own features to it that uh, that allow a customer to not only be able to find the size of boat but also you know w- what levels of boats they want to go to as far as what you said again a, a lot of times you're you're looking in this industry uh, and this sport you're looking at people that are very brand conscious and So you may have a guy that walks in that says, I'm a Skeeter guy, or I'm a Yamaha guy, which boat can I put those on? Yeah. Or, and and, and obviously if you're a Skeeter guy, um, which is, I've owned three of them. They're tremendous bass boats. You're going to run a Yamaha. That's what's going to be on it because they're owned by Yamaha and they are amazing vessels. Tony and Mary and I got to be a part of this selection process actually before I even really worked there, but they needed a boat that they could put a mercury on because there are people in this country and and understandably so there's a lot of patriots here and they were going to run a black motor. You know, they wanted something American made. And so when you have 12 months out of the year and you have four or five, six people a a, a month that, that walk in and just want something with an american-made motor on the back of it and you can't take care of it they needed something that they could do that so we did a search and came to falcon and so that's where we got and then when you want to expand a little bit one of the best constructed most uniquely thought out products in the in the game is bass yeah. and uh rick pierce and that family over there uh very unique products uh probably one of the fastest I'd say tournament-styled boats out there, because there are other fast boats out there, but um, they may not be tournament-styled boats, and then Basscat certainly is that. Each brand has models that would fit the guy that just wants to go fishing with his son or his daughter uh, or his dad, or then there's the, 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 the vessels that'll go in some of the biggest waters out there uh, and, and be comfortable and safe and efficient there's something for everybody in each brand and, and we can look at each brand and kind of put, you know, a basic category together, you know, by category of what these types of things are.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's a, it's a great point about, you know, the Mercury and, and, and the American made product. Cause a lot of people, they, they do want that, but then you've got a lot of Yamaha's lovers out there as well. Cause it's a great product and a great engine as well. And, and so now you've got the ability to put, people in the, with the engine that that, that they want and the boat that they want i mean we all know that been around the fishing industry anytime at all that you you know or that skeeter is one of the top names out there as far as bass boats a great constructed it's boat first and the first
2: bass boat ever in the history of the world i did um, not know they that they were the first ones to me yeah they made the first bass boat in the in the world
0: wow and so you've got the skeeter And then, uh, the Falcon, I don't know as much about I've seen it, but I I don't know as much about it. Uh, obviously back Basscat is, I I guess, and maybe I'm mistaken, but that's kind of a, the upper end. And we, you know, like you said, a fast boat, uh, a really high end boat and right now, obviously hard to get, but so if you're, if you're kind of looking at the three boats, you're looking at Skeeter Falcon and Basscat, I mean, obviously you can't go wrong with any of those three decisions but why might somebody choose a skater over one versus the other
2: well let's let's do this first let's let's go let's go size of boat okay. and let's let's break this down and do let's do the simple part first which is let's say you're a guy that just likes to go fishing and and we're going to stay in the glass boat world right now where that's yep. what we're going to do let's say you're a guy that wants to go fishing uh you want to be efficient you want to be fuel efficient you want to have the, the little bit more weight of the glass boat as opposed to an aluminum boat, something that'll scoot along a little bit but still be a little bit of a comfortable ride. Uh, tournaments are not your thing. Maybe you know, the, the joke is they call them fair weather fishermen and when it's nice, they'll go. But you're not going to go out there when it's storming and blowing 40 miles an hour. You just as soon you know, stay at home and work on tackle that day. 18 to 19 foot bass boats with a 150, 175 or 200 horsepower motor that's going to be that range for that kind of guy you're a hardcore tournament fisherman but it's not a living maybe you fish the coosa river some of the smaller bodies of water around where you're not fighting with big you know cruiser type boats those kinds of things that create big giant waves on there. You're gonna fish tournaments, you want the speed. You're gonna overlap that 19 foot range with the 200, 225, and then you're gonna go up to a 20 foot boat that will allow you to be in that range with a 250 on it. And you're start getting into that high performance type world there with the 2 225s and 250s. If you're a guy that fishes big water, Tennessee river type stuff, maybe even Great Lakes, you travel up there, some of those places, going to a body of water like Lanier or something where you just have these massive you know, yachts that cruise around on the lake, you're going to want a 21-foot bass boat and they're going to come with a 250. If you're not a tournament fisherman, you don't care about horsepower restrictions, you get into a 21-foot boat and you can start putting 450 horsepower engines on those things, 300s, 350s, 450s. You can start getting into some real speed there. We just had a gentleman buy a bass cat Uh, Puma STS, their newest model, put a 300 horsepower Pro XS on that thing. Nice. Um, It's going to be an 80 some odd mile an hour boat. So all three brands give you something that we carry, give you something in all of those categories. Skeeter, uh, the 150 range, you're looking at a ZX 150. Um, It's going to be a high 30s to mid 40s boat, depending on how you rig it. And you can go into the ZX 200s and the ZX 225s. You're looking at that range of of boats there for that you know entry fun fishing to maybe club tournament type fishing that's what you're looking at then you have the zxr series which is both of them come with 250s on them different package levels you know rocker switches and you know a little bit smaller graphs and and stuff like that that's going to be a mid 50s to low 60s depending on some add-ons but you're still looking at a twenty, a ZXr twenty, ZXr twenty one. It's a it's a tournament style boat. Just has a few less bells and whistles than their top end stuff. You're looking at an FXR in the top level stuff. You're looking at an FXR limited, FXr twenty, FXr twenty one limited, which gives you eight different color choices and all the good features. Then you can go into the apex in those two models. Now you get a little bit higher level of features and special automotive tight finishes with real fine crystalline flake in them and a few other little bells and whistles that make that boat unique. And then you get into what the pros order, which is the same hull but it's called the FXR20 and FXR20 select, 21 Selects. Those are where you pick every, you know, color that goes on the boat, you select every option that also happens to be the most expensive uh skeeters you can buy in the bass boat world. Uh, some of those can get up into the uh, mid 80s. And above depending on packaging things like power poles and raptors multiple graphs when you get into multiple graphs you got to tune with the batteries you know special wiring harnesses that give more power to the graphs without spiking when the motor fires so you take them out of the wiring harnesses of the boat that way uh you know forward-facing sonars 360 hydraulic jack plates all that stuff's going to change your performance your fish catching ability and fish finding ability, but it's also going to add price. So those are the ranges of Skeeters. Basscat has the same type of things where they've got some of their smaller boats, the Margay, and some of those kinds of things. You've got uh, the Caracal, which is going to be a 19 foot boat. Uh, they have packages in there that give you, you know, high 40s to high 50s in those more packaged kinds of boats. They call those the Advantage line. Then you get into their premiums, and that's going to be your ERAs, your Cougar FTDs. You've got the Puma STS, which is their new more tournament st- and, and the ERA and the Cougar are their, that starts their tournament type 20 foot and above bass boats. ERA is going to be a little bit more narrow, probably their fastest overall tournament styled boat. I know some of those boats are in the upper 70s uh, on the ERAs. The Cougar is probably their best all-around tournament boat up until they released the Puma SDS. That was the one that most of their team guys ran. A little bit longer, an inch or two longer in that boat, 20 foot 5, I believe, 20 foot 6. The ERA is a 20 foot 4. Maybe it's 20 foot 4, 20 foot 2. I'd have to get the specs out to look at them. But a little bit more conventional tournament layout in the Cougar. A little bit slower because it's a little bit heavier boat maybe 75, 76 miles an hour, where the ERA is like a 77 to a little bit faster. Then you got the Puma STS, which is a bigger boat, brand new, wider boat, gives a little bit better ride. Speed's still gonna be in that 73 to 75 range with a 250. Again, you're looking at, we sold one of those that was $103,000. We sold another one that was 106. That's the guy that loaded everything on them. That's a big deal. Falcon is a company that is in Newberry, South Carolina. There's three partners. One of them is the founder of Tidewater Saltwater Boats. Tim DePriest and Stephen Waller are lifetime bass boat builders. Uh, Their lineage goes back to Stephen's dad started Bumblebee Bass Boats, and they both worked in the Stratos and Javelin, Triton, all of those before going to learn how to build saltwater boats, and then eventually started a warranty repair company for fiberglass called Marine Pro Service. And in doing that, realized they could figure out not only how to fix some of the broken issues or some of the things that cause issues in bass boats and some of the things that make them a little cumbersome or difficult to work in, but they also knew they could put a saltwater stringer system in a bass boat. So in their 20 and 20 foot models, and they've got three different packages. They've got the F205, F-215, which is a good all-around boat. I run the F205 myself. Then they've got the F-20 Tournament Edition, which has little bit different features, a little bit different styling, those kinds of things that make the boat a little bit more pricey. And then they've got the F-20 and F-21 Predators, which is their highest end boat. They call it the top of the perch. Um, it's got a big bird head on the side and some other little features in there. They also have an F-185, which is an 18 foot boat, 150, 175 horsepower. And then they've got a, a F-195 that I call their little Ferrari. It's a 200-horsepower, 19-foot, 5-inch boat. If I spent all my time on the Coosa River, that might be the boat I run because it's a fun little boat. And it's funny to call a a 19-and-a-half-foot boat little, but it is compared to what they are now. The biggest thing on Falcon is saltwater stringer system. There's three stringers in it.
0: And explain that to me real quick because you lost me on that.
2: That's all right. So you have a hull. Um, And I don't know that a lot of people know this. Bass boats are not painted. The boats are actually laid out in the molds from the outside in. The first thing that goes in the mold of a bass boat is the clear coat. Wow, I um, did not know that. So they build the colors in, they tape off the stripes, and then they layer those things in, and then the fiberglass gets laid into the hull and pressure and and spray guns and all kinds of things to get them all to bond together. And then the boat is built from the outside of the boat in. Falcon has three molds. I know this because I've seen it. Skeeter is similar in in the way they do things, but they have you know the the stringer is the long hull length support system to the hull. So you have they're basically beams that run the whole length of the boat from the transom to the bow. Most bass boats are two stringers. Falcon is three, one right down the middle and two on the outside that are out to about two thirds out in the floor, and then they have little cross beams that go across from the middle out. To the outside of the stringer system that tie the whole thing together. And then they glass the stringers into the hull the and then they glass the floor on top of it. And then they fill every hole in the 205, the, anything 20 foot and above, they fill with uh, closed cell foam. It's the most solid riding bass boat there is um, that I've ever been in. And I've been in most of them. Uh, there's not too many bass boats I haven't ridden in in my 30 year career. And there's been some that have given you back problems in the past. It's a 99-inch beam uh, on the 20-footers and up, uh, big wide decks, big you know hinges that look like gull-wing Mercedes on the rod locker lids that open up. At first, you kind of think it's kind of odd, but once you use it, you'd never want to do anything else because you can fill your rod lockers from the outside of the boat. There's nothing in the way. You're not reaching around anything. You're just sticking your rods in there. Big tackle storage, soft ride. They're still fast. They're still... In the springtime, when everything's nice and cool and comfortable, uh, and I haven't thrown you know half of my 30 foot long tackle room in the <laughs> boat, um, the boat I've had them go 70 with me in it. And I'm a big guy. Uh, I'm a former high school linebacker and a college catcher. I'm a big guy. I'll slow a boat down. Um, but I've had mine over 75, uh, and it routinely, even now, I was actually out today doing a Bucks Island Live at Gunnersville, which is a little bit higher elevation with one of our pro staffers and Michael, my marketing partner there at Bucks Island, and I'm running seventy-one-one, and it's 95 degrees out and a 99% humidity, and that boat was still running 71.1 nice. with that Pro XS 250 on it and and I do put a bunch of tackle in my boat because I'll sit there and I'll go, hey, I'm going to go try this. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try this. And I throw bags of stuff in the boat on top of the tackle. And then next thing you know, I look at it and go, I must have 400 pounds of tackle in that <laughs> yeah,
0: thing. Got a ton of stuff in here.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like I said, half of my tackles shop. Anyway, but the bottom line is, is that they can find something. And our sales team is really good. We can find something that fits your needs and gets close to your budget needs too. We have stuff that goes low 40s up to, you know, like I said, over 100, you know, $100,000 in bass boats. And there's bigger boats in Bass Cad. They've got a 22-foot Jaguar that's an absolute beast of a boat. To get speed out of that, you got to get into the 300 and 400 horsepower engines. But there, it's, a, it's a tremendously well-built boat. They are. But we can find what you need. Uh, in that. And then of course, we've always got used boats that people have traded in and we'll buy used boats from people. We'll consign boats. But as far as the brands we that we carry, there's something in there that'll fit your needs. All you have to do is talk to the salespeople, tell them what you're looking for, tell them what your, your experience of fishing is, and we can find you something that fits your needs. Again, yeah, right now what... we may have to order some stuff that'll be out a little ways, but we can find it.
0: Yeah. And that's what I, when you was going through that line, that's what I was, was noticing is it's, you know, no matter what category of fishermen you put yourself in, whether it's a, you know, a, a serious tournament fisherman or a weekend fair weather fisherman, like I tend to be, there's something at every level and every price point, uh, you know, you don't have to spend $75,000 to get into a decent bass boat. Uh, but if you want to, you can't, uh, depending yeah, the on the VXR, bells and whistles and the speed and the size that you want. exactly. If, say someone wants a 20-foot boat.
2: The Skeeter ZXR 20, that'll be just, you know, standard features, the way that it comes with the cover. Before tax, you're going to be looking at 56, 58, you know, around that range. You start adding extra things to it, and then you're going to start adding $1,000 here, $2,000 there. If you're not worried about shallow water anchors, like a power pole, which is what I use, or a Raptor, you know, you can be in those boats. Like the Falcon, you're going to be in the 64 range for an F-205, which is, you know, in today's market, that's, you know, some of the more affordable bass boats out there. Uh, Bass Cat, you're going to be in the mid-70s to low 80s on a boat um, in the 20-foot range, probably. So, yeah, we do have stuff that will fit a lot of budgets.
0: All right, guys, let's take a couple more minutes and hear from a few more of this week's sponsors. Boaterslist.com. Boaterslist is your new, reliable, and fast resource designed to link everyone to everything on the water. If you own or run a boat, you know how difficult it can be to find the right company for the task at hand. Boaterslist makes it easy to find the service you're looking for. Locate anything from fuel docks to service repairs or rentals of large yachts or even paddle boats, and all things in between at BoatersList.com. They will always strive to make it better on the water. And brought to you by Fish Bites. Ready to go when you are, regardless of when you're ready to go fishing. This bait stays on the hook, and the fish stay on the bait. Check them out, FishBites.com. And brought to you by North Alabama is the place to go for your next fishing expedition. North Alabama is home to eight picture lakes pickwick wilson wheeler weiss smith neely henry lake gunnerville and bear creek lakes each lake is well stocked with a variety of fish and in north alabama fishing is great year round for more information visit www.northalabama.org and click on plan to download a north alabama fishing guide when people order boats or buy boats from you guys do do most people get y'all to go ahead and and rig them out with all their electronics whether it's you know their electronics for their live scope or whatever it may be do they all kind of re, or do people order and do that yourself or do y'all kind of pre-do that no, for most everybody? we
2: have some customers that are serious high-end hardcore tournament fishermen that will go through the boat and rig everything exactly the way they want it. They'll take the boat, pick it up bare. They may even be bringing their electronics to the project instead of having them ordered on the boat and they may take them and do it themselves, but that's less than 5% of the people that buy a boat from us. Most people and, and Skeeter does things in packages that come with like a Helix 12 and a Helix 10 on the bow or a 12 and a 12, depending on which model you're getting. We order all of our Falcons with Helix nines uh helix nine on bow and and dash um everything comes with an ultrax now trolling motor that has spot lock on it if you want some changes we can get you the lawrence ghost we can get you lawrence we can rig it all we can add graphs to it we can put dash mounts and bow mounts by precision sonar on there which are just beef double stack triple stack on the bow which so many people are going to now because That's what they're seeing on the Elite Series and on the Bass Pro Tour. We can rig, we can sell you something that comes with the packages and we can make sure everything works great, put your batteries in it, lake test it, get it all set up for you that we know it's good, get it detailed, deliver it to you. That's a boat that just comes from the factory with this is what we order it with. Or in Skeeter's case, this is the package that comes on these boats as a part of the deal. Or we can get crazy. A couple years ago, we had a gentleman come to us that had actually won a ZX-150 uh, it was actually called the ZX-190 a few years ago. Same boat, but, you know, different numbering. The gentleman put $17,000 of electronics and accessories on that boat. Wow. He had four graphs. That's not easy. Live scope, <laughs> power poles. No, our rigging department, it took him a while to get it all figured out, how to make it all fit on an 18-foot boat, but it did. It was a little technological marvel, is what I'm going to say. It was amazing.
0: <laughs> That's a lot um, of electronics.
2: But yes, we can do all that stuff. We're authorized dealers for all of it. We've got some of the best mechanics around in the world. Israel Britt is a Yamaha master mechanic. Derek Dodson is also a Yamaha master mechanic. And there's like 250 of those around the country. And we have two of them. Our rigging department is run by Israel. They know what they're doing. And they're clean. That's what's funny about a lot of people that want to do their own rigging they may throw wires and stuff everywhere and you open the boat and you look at it and you go, whoa, that looks like a spaghetti plate. Not here. Our people tie it up clean. Everything's nice. It looks great. I'm talking about individuals. Dealerships are going to take the time, but we've got some of the best riggers we've seen that I've ever seen. Clean, clean jobs. They all make sure that they work before they leave. The trolling motor is calibrated. Uh, The GPSs are calibrated, you know, so that everything works right so that a guy can literally go out and if he's experienced, he can turn the key and know what it does. If he's not experienced, we'll spend the time on the water with him to show him how every switch works.
0: Hey, that's and that's very important when you get a new boat. That's for sure because it can be uh, things change rapidly in this world. And and if they if somebody hadn't had a new boat in a while, it would probably be benef- maybe beneficial for them to get out with somebody on the water. Hey, have you seen? I mean, I know with with COVID, boats were both did the same thing that cars and trucks and everything did and, and the price saw price increase just because of supply and demand issues are we starting to see that uh do you think that's going to stay there for a while are you starting to see that trickle back down or or any no. or it's going to stay
2: yeah it's um in fact we get we're coming up on model year announcements here pretty soon the boat model year runs from july to june uh, so the 22 model year will turn to 23 July 1, um, or maybe it's August to July. Anyway, we're starting to see that, and we'll start getting announcements of, I'm sure, price increases. This is the first time that I've been there that I saw some mid-year price increases because as the supply chain struggled, prices went up, Yep. and so there were some mid-year pricing changes that happened, which I hadn't seen before. So it's just the nature of everything right now. It is. And, and what I would say to people is don't think right now that most of the time, and I'm going to say in the 90% range or more, you're not going to be able to walk into a dealership, most places and be able to say, I want that boat. You're going to have to order something. And the right now it's easier to get boats, uh, you know, in our world, a Falcon or a Bass cat, it's it's easier to get them with Mercury's Yamahas are going to be a little bit further out because, Yamaha yeah. has a little bit more of a of an OEM supply challenge at times. Um, they're able to get motors in for their their in-house brands a little bit easier. So skeeters and those, but those are still slowed down a little bit too. Um, but no, I don't see prices retracting much at all right now. I just yeah. I expect price increases coming. But what I would say is, is that if you're if you're in the market, you're thinking you're in the market. <laughs> Don't wait, sit down. Falcon, um, we have the ability because we have enough slots allocated to us that in, in our pre-orders that we've done that we can, uh, we can even move a boat that's slated for stock order for somebody and kind of recolor and we can move that boat to the back of the line and put a customer order in there that speeds up the process a little bit. I still think you're looking at three months or more. Um, I'll be honest with you. I ordered my 2023 Falcon in uh, May, April or May, and we're not looking at that boat arriving at the dealership until sometime at the end of August. Wow. And that's okay. But what I would say to people is have an idea of what you're looking for. Come sit down, get your name on a list, put a deposit down on a boat. If you're looking for Skeeter, put a small deposit down that'll get you on the, on the line. And if something else comes up that someone found something somewhere else or decided not to wait and that comes up and you're the next call on the list, Katie will give you the opportunity. Melissa or Patrick will give you the opportunity to take that boat, but then you're in line. You're in line. right? You're in line and you can start getting your name on those things to be able to be in a position to receive your boat that you're is, I mean, and a lot of these people, these are dream vessels for people. When I started fishing, my first boat was a Skeeter Starfire 150, a 17-something foot boat with a 150 Black Max Mercury because it wasn't a Yamaha company then. I paid $7,500 for that thing in 1994 and maybe 1996, but it was a, you know, six, seven-year-old boat, and it was a dream for me to have that, and I, you know, people have the dream of owning a bass boat if they're a you know, they see these guys on television and they see these guys at their local lakes. You know, they just want to be like them. They want to be able to fish like them. They want that kind of vessel. Have a little bit of patience right now. Work the system a little bit. Come sit down with us. We've got a great sales staff to help you figure out what you can do. And they'll be honest with you. We're looking at three months. We're looking at six months. We're looking at this. But we'll keep you updated. Well, what I love and, about uh, you
0: guys is too is that if you come up there and sit down with some of your salesmen, I mean they're they they they're not going to try to sell. You know, they're going to try to put the right to put you in the right boat for the for what you want to do and what you're looking where you're looking to fish and how often you're looking to fish. They're not going to try to say the most expensive boat on the floor just because you walk through the door. They're going to try to get you the right boat for you, and uh, and that's an awesome deal. That's always a breath of fresh air when we go into any kind of a dealership. So, um, hats off to you guys for that. Yeah, get on the waiting list right now and 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 get your name in if you if you're if you're interested. Go sit down with these guys and and get the process started. And um, it may take a minute to get it, but y'all but y'all can get it, and it'll eventually be gotten. So, but it's like that everywhere. Yeah, it is,
2: and so, I hate to sound like a salesperson, but it is supply is 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 a challenge you know if you decide you don't want to do something we'll give you your deposit back we're not going to keep money that we're just trying to keep you in line yeah we know the challenges we have to secure some things so that everybody's fair and that's just the way we're going to have to do it but you do have to act and you do have to act quickly if you want to do something
0: good stuff man well hey look you said you were you you know you kind of hit home with me a little bit you said you were a catcher and i was a college pitcher so Man, uh, where did, where did you, where were you a catcher at?
2: I played baseball at the master's college, a Christian university in Southern California. I was actually scouted, uh, before high school, didn't handle my grades the way that I should have, because (laughs) I was told I was going to get drafted. Sure. So I kind of cruised through high school and, and, uh, tried a couple of junior colleges and it just didn't quite work for me, but I tried out for the master's college and the grace of God, I was given a scholarship to be able to play there, played there three years, uh, was a two-time college, all American. And then my shoulder decided to grenade. So, um, I found a love of comp I, mean, I love competition. And I found, I was able to exercise that love of competition in, in fishing through tournaments. And, uh, I've been fortunate enough that I've been able to make my, make my occupation in a sport that I love. That's um, awesome. I have a very odd job. Most people have a hard time even understanding what it is I do, but, uh, I'm grateful and I'm blessed. and. Uh, and I will say this as a catcher, most pitchers were goofy. That's all I'm going to say,
0: dude, Especially I knew, I knew that. See, I, I knew, <laughs> but I knew not to even tell you I was a pitcher. Cause I knew you were going there. And, uh, well, you know, if, we, we if, always if you were get right hand or left did. hand pitcher. I was a lefty. Oh, no, yeah. see your hat was crooked.
2: Your hat oh, was yeah. crooked and you threw your head off to the side and you whipped the arm around Oh, yeah. and then you absolutely. looked at me
0: like, what do you mean? You want this pitch? Yeah, right. I know how it goes. Oh, I know how it goes. Yeah. That's <laughs> non-athletic pitchers, right? The non-athletes on the team, dude, I'm going to tell you what these guys today, man, I was a little, I was a little runny guy, uh, just a little lefty that threw a lot of jump ball and could put fortunate to be able to put it where I want to. But these guys today are massive, man. And they all throw hard and they're all six, five. It's unbelievable. Baseball was my first love
2: as a boy. I have a hard time watching the game today because they don't play baseball. They play home run Derby and pitchers don't hit spots. They throw fewer strikes than they ever did. They try to overpower everybody, and they try to strike everybody out. Um, it's still the greatest game in the face of the earth, but they just don't play it the way that I think they should play. I've got all kinds of physiological, you know, ge- geometric reasons why I hate the swings of today. The launch angle to try to yeah. hit a home run is pathetic. Yeah. Um, and I watch ball. I'm an A's fan from being a kid. My dad was born in New Hampshire, Salem, New Hampshire, so I'm also a Red Sox fan. And uh, I got so frustrated watching the 16 inning game of uh, the Dodgers and the and the uh, Red Sox in the World Series when two different times the Red Sox had the bases loaded with less than two outs and someone could have played at a run with a fly ball and all they tried to do was hit a grand slam to get on Sports Center and Dude, it drove me up a wall.
0: It's a different game, man. Small balls out the window, and you still see it in college. Some I'm mean, always saw it in the you know I'm I'm I played at Auburn and. And in the game the other night, we've got our big home run hitter. We've got a man on third base with less than two outs. And our home run hitter, you can see he intentionally hits a ground ball to second base. Exactly what he's supposed to do. Uh, that's the easiest RBI in baseball. And instead yep. of sitting back and trying to hit another one out as, the, as our you know, one of the home run leaders in the country, he just hits a, a, a weak ground ball to second base and scores a run, and it ended up being a very mm-hmm. – pivotal. we won by one. So it was uh, yep. a very pivotal – but you don't see many people do that. And, and I grew up – you know, I, I was playing at Auburn during the Skip Berkman LSU gorilla ball era, and and that seemed like that's when kind of things started to change. And, you know, the, the way that they coach hitting now is kind of like – kind of goes back to then is – and it's definitely what they do in the big leagues – is they are guessing on every single pitch and coming out of their shoes. And if they guess wrong, they tip their hat and go sit down, and they're fine with striking out. They have no problem with it. And, and I and I wasn't.
2: I struck out my, my junior year of college. I hit 403, 13 home runs, but I hit 15 doubles. I struck out five times. Yeah. And uh, I drove in 58 RBIs, and uh, I could hit. But it was all physics. Uh, my swing was built with a slight down angle so that when i hit the ball i had backspin so i would hit a lot of line drives that carried
0: that carried um, I, I
2: happened to be i happened to be strong strong enough that i could swing a bat that was a little bit heavier than everybody else when most people were swinging those eastons that were thirty-four, thirty, i swung a, a mizuno that was thirty-four, thirty-one and a half, and a half and it allowed and i was i could whip it and i could hit the ball hard with it and get a little bit more carry out of it but i was strong and uh I used the middle of the field, alley to alley, and, and that's the way that I played the game. And uh, I adjusted with two strikes and tried to hit the ball back up the middle. In fact, I think I led the league and hit pitchers. I love to spin that cap. That's what I love to do. <laughs> I love strikes, to spin that you're cap. That, you're going to knock that hat off that pitcher and make him, make him realize, <laughs> whoa, that thing just almost beheaded me.
0: <laughs> yeah i've been there i've been there that's for sure well anyway we, i'm glad to see auburn get to omaha they uh man their coaching staff is phenomenal and uh bush thompson gabe gross two of the most christian men that i know um and tim hudson as well i shouldn't leave him out of that tim is tim is definitely the same in the same category and and one thing i tell parents uh, the a's yeah. Right. A. Yeah. You know, the Oakland A's. But I'm
2: a, I'm a sooner fan. So I'm going to say boomer sooner to you.
0: Y'all. Yeah. The, yeah. Y'all yeah. are there. Y'all are there. So yeah, we're right. there too. All right, man. Well, Hey buddy, I appreciate you. Thank you for your time getting on. If somebody wants to contact Bucks Island and has questions about boat or service or the electronics or, or all the things that you do, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you guys? Well, the
2: easiest one to remember is the one 800 I'm ready one 800 nice. I am ready uh, That's the Bucks Island 800 number. 256-442-2588 is the direct number. And uh, Tony, and I'll quote, I'm a journalist, so I'm going to quote it the way that it's been said. Tony, his goal and what we're doing there is to become the, quote, best damn bass boat dealership in Alabama. Beautiful. And so I'm quoting our president. And, uh, but it's something that we want to be and we know it takes investment in the people and the sport and they do it. And that's, you know, I am honored that they allow me to help them because it's easy when you got people that are willing to invest and, uh, and that's what they do.
0: That's awesome, man. I love your attitude. Love the fact that you, uh, that you made your way to Alabama, brother. We're glad to have you. So, Hey guys, if you're interested and parts, service, boats—just have general questions. Maybe just you, maybe you've been thinking about it for a while, and and you just haven't made that call. Make the call. One eight hundred. I am ready. That's pretty. I, I even me can. I even I'm. I can remember that. That's an easy one. So. <laughs> and you're a left-handed pitcher. And Brian, I'm a left-handed <laughs> quirky pitcher, right? So. <laughs> hey, Dano, we appreciate it, man. Thank you for your time, and uh, man, look forward to talking to you again soon, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you all right buddy take care all right guys let's take a few minutes and hear from some more of this week's sponsors great days outdoors magazine are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines are you tired of reading content meant for guys up north or in the midwest Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors magazine subscription and become a better southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors magazine can be found at your local Barnes and Nobles, Books a Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rule King, Bass Pro Shops, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And brought to you by... MB Ranch King hunting blinds and feeders are built to last right here in the USA. With durability and convenience in mind, MB Ranch King's maintenance-free blinds are built and constructed with high-grade steel and come in a variety of sizes to meet any hunter's needs. We also offer high-quality, easy-to-use corn and protein feeders that can be filled with both feet on the ground. Call Kevin today for more information or get a quote at 205 807-2937 mb ranch king built in the pursuit of perfection and brought to you by killer Doc. today we're going to profile another common form of dock dysfunction dirty dock have you ever cleaned up a nice mess of fish and then washed your wife's face in disgust when she sees your dirty dock as a result it happens to all of us who are cleaning fish on old wooden fish cleaning tables that don't slope toward the water. You need dock enhancement. Killer dock fish cleaning stations are marine grade aluminum coated with a ceramic finish that makes cleaning your dirty dock a cinch. The scales and slime drain directly into the water through legs or through the slides. You choose the style. Check out the best fish cleaning stations known to mankind at KillerDock.com welcome back to the show guys hey great show a little long today right uh so i apologize for that but it's just hard to stop talking about these things that we enjoy when it comes to fishing and and outdoors we get excited we got brandon lester on here just won a hundred thousand dollar check at at pickwick and the elite i mean alabama boy winning the tournament there man we just hard hard to go shorter on those segments so i hope you guys enjoyed it and i hope you guys turn in watch a little college baseball i know all you alabama fans it ain't gonna be easy but just just say war eagle one time just do it just for baseball Football, we know you're going to kick our ear, right? We all know that. And uh, I may even say a little road tide for y'all every night and then on that side. So give us a little War Eagle. Root for the state of Alabama. Love to see these guys bring it home. Hey, y'all enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there on the water. If you would like us to email you the podcast, all you have to do is text the word FISHING to 314-665-1767 and we'll email you the show each and every week. Stay safe out there. Enjoy the waters. We'll talk to y'all next time. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by OutdoorAlabama.com That's where I learn the basics of how to hunt fish, including what's in season and which license to buy. Learn more at OutdoorAlabama.com Go hunt! Go fish, get outdoors. This message was brought to you by the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources, and by Bucks Island. Bucks Island has been in business since 1948 for all of your new and used boat needs, as well as motor sales and services, and now they have a pro-level tackle store. Boat and motor trade-ins are welcome. Visit them online at BucksIslands.com or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And brought to you by The Hunting Exchange. Hunting Exchange is an app for iOS and Android that gives you a one-stop shop to buy and sell your hunting gear. So head on over to the App Store or Google Play and experience a new hassle-free way to buy and sell hunting gear by downloading the Hunting Exchange app today.
1: And also brought to you by Hilton's Real-Time Navigator. Make the choice that professional captains all over the Gulf make and choose Hilton's Real-Time Navigator. The easy-to-use interface and excellent customer service will have you on the fish every time you go. Check it out at Hilton'sOffshore.com.
0: And brought to you by Fish Bites. For over 20 years, Fish Bites has been helping anglers all along the Gulf Coast and around the world put fish in the cooler. Ask for Fish Bites or Fish Bites Fight Club lures or visit FishBites.com. Fish Bites, made in the USA. And brought to you by BoatersList.com. Do you own your own company that needs to reach boaters, anglers, and marine enthusiasts? Sign up for free today to grow your business on boaterslist.com.